This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. We're brought to you by Bet Online. My name is Tom Westrom, joined by Nicole Yang and Chris Grenham. Um, the Celtics last night lost to the Portland Trailblazers 129-119. to Let's talk about it. I don't really have like any overarching takes. It just kind of felt like a, a loss to a good team who's like rolling and playing really hard. I don't have any like real negative takes about it. I thought the Celtics played fine. It just, it was weird in that it almost felt like so many of the games this season have felt like either an indictment or like a big, uh, you know, like, oh, the Celtics are back on track. And this one just felt like decent team playing a decent team and the Celtics lost it. And I think that's a good thing. Like yeah. the Celt- like the Celtics are starting to show some consistency here. Like Jason Tatum has been on a roll. Like Aaron Neesmith is stringing together like a good stretch here, both on the offensive and defensive end, which is different because I feel like previously it was all about Mr. Hustle, like the hustle plays. And now he's been able to sort of put together both aspects of his game. Jalen Brown has been off and on, but I think he's also battling some injuries, which at the end of the game didn't get any better when he and Jason Tatum collided. But overall, I I just think this team is starting to build some consistency, which is huge because of just how inconsistent they've been through the first 60 games or so. So it's nice to see that happening. And also it was nice to see Evan Fournier bounce back a little bit. It's been obvious how difficult the transition has been since he tested positive. And yesterday after the game, he was vocal about it. Like the fact that he's been dealing with concussion-like symptoms. He was like, yeah, my depth perception is really bad. And it's like, yeah, we can tell because he's airballed shots. Like that sounds like a, a nightmare to be Evan Fournier right now. Like so excited to join this team, so eager to contribute and obviously can play much better than what he's showing yet. Like he's battling all of these after effects and it just, I can't imagine. Imagine having real issues with your depth perception and you're going through other concussion like symptoms and still being able to go eight for 10 in an NBA game. Like that's pretty remarkable, but I'm sure we'll talk about Fournier more, but yeah, you really do have to feel for him. Like that just really, really sucks. As far as the game goes, like I thought it was an, a really, really fun game until like down the stretch it kind of got taken away by a ton of reviews and just like I don't know it it was it was a great game that Jason Tatum talked about it after he was asked by John Corrales like what do you think about all these reviews he's like yeah it messes up the rhythm of the game and it really did last night last night was a prime example of that but before the rhythm got thrown off balance I mean both teams shot above 50 percent from three they were both hovering around 50 percent from the field like it was a really really fun game early on it was an absolute shootout And you're right, there wasn't anything like indicting on the Celtics performance last night. And it was kind of nice to have a game like that. I think a lot of that has to do with the bench production and other guys stepping up. Like the bench was very solid offensively last night. And I think when the bench doesn't produce, it's kind of a trickle down effect. And it, you know, highlights some deficiencies that this team has. But last night, it was kind of an all around effort. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed last night's game before all the replays. I I had fun watching it. Let's talk about the officials real quick, because that seemed to be kind of the big topic 
I thought Marcus Smart's ejection, it felt a little a little hefty, but I understood why they did it. Because when you watch that one replay, I mean, it kind of looked like he swung a little bit. <laughs> Obviously, the, the play was, uh, if anybody didn't watch it, he, he hit Nurkic in the balls. Coming around the screen, and whether you think it was intentional or not, the guy, like, you know, delivered pretty hefty shot to Nurkic's groin. There was, and there was an angle where I thought it looked pretty convincing. Like I, that I, I didn't think it looked very good. I could see why the officials did what they did. It, well, I could see why they, I could see why they interpreted it the way they did. I did think that like an ejection felt a little much. Like it may, I mean, maybe give them like a flagrant one, maybe give them a tech. Like, I, I don't know. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I do wonder whether it has to do with like Smart's history with the- I think it has to, right? Yeah. 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 Otherwise it's rare you see a guy toss that quickly off of like one tech or something like that. It's it's normally a double tech. I don't know. I, it was weird in, in person. It felt very like odd. It happened so fast and all of a sudden Smart was walking into the tunnel and I had to wait for the replay to pop up on my computer. But I get the, they called it unsportsmanlike, the action, but I don't know. I still thought it was, it was a little weird. The refs overall- just had a rough go specifically in the second half. I think we should remember Baxter Holmes's story in ESPN of how not only is it players dealing with the coronavirus, but the refs have been struggling with this too. And now the NBA has a bunch of like lesser experienced referees in action. Clearly they aren't ready for this stage if this is how a lot of the games are going because I don't think tonight's game has been an anomaly by any means. But I think that does help explain why there's been games where the officiating just has been so bad. And I feel for the referees too because again it's just like people who aren't ready for these positions trying to do their best here and it's not that easy like the whole league which I mean probably begs the question like what are we all doing here is just like trying to get by with the like aftermath of the virus there were there were two timeouts last night that Brad literally called only to yell at the refs like he talked to his team (laughs) for like 15 to 20 seconds maybe he spent the majority of those timeouts just following the refs trailing them around the court which I didn't see him do all that often. It was pretty hysterical. Well, yeah, Nicole, to your point, I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of this really, like, there's going to be a lot of misplaced angst at, you know, a player for struggling, even though he's exhausted, or a ref for making some bad calls, even though he's not ready. And kind of at the end of the day, it's kind of an Adam Silver problem, I think. Even the Celtics struggles this year. I mean, how much of that can you attribute to, like, playing deep into the bubble and having a bunch of guys who didn't get a training camp? And it's like, yeah, I'm sure it's frustrating to watch this team lose all the time as a fan. But at the same time, it's like, maybe, uh, maybe Maybe direct your anger a little higher because uh, this is a weird season. Also, Ben Golliver mentioned this when he came on the pod. Like, look at the four teams that made it to the conference finals. All yep. of them have been dealing with availability issues and don't think that's a coincidence here. Yeah. And like with the whole condensed scheduling, in addition to coming back early, like it's just so much on these players' bodies. Like Jalen Brown, I am concerned about his availability moving forward. And I don't think we should like speculate more than that, but he's been battling. I mean, first it was the knee tendonitis and then now it was the right ankle injury. Then last night he was, couldn't even put weight on his leg and had to hop back into the locker room. So injuries happen of course, any year, but you have to wonder what the league did to protect their players against some of these. That's probably the next thing that's worth touching on is Jalen and Jason left the game after kind of colliding last night. Weird play, like neither of them came back out. The game was basically over at that point anyway. I I think, Nicole, to your point about Jalen, like if I'm the Celtics, I use this as an excuse to shut him down for like a little bit here. One, he's way too important to everything you're doing. And two, again, we've talked about this before. The ceiling on this year's team feels like the second round. The ceiling on next year's team is not the second round. I think they can be quite good next year. You just can't let this stupid fake season bleed into next year. You just can't. 
if you shut down Jalen and you end up at like, you know, for a few games here and you end up in like the sixth seed or like the play-in game, if you end up there and, and you, you end up playing the Bucks or the, the Sixers or the, the Nets in the first round, okay, so be it. Put a scare into them and come back next year stronger. Like, I think you've just, you've got to do that at this point with Jalen because he's way too important to your team. For his sake and for the team's sake, I was kind of hoping that they would sit him yesterday because they came in with the late ankle report, like addition to the injury report. And in my mind, I was like, oh, they're totally going to sit him tonight. Like, I didn't know if it was a, sometimes they just list like random ailments to get a guy a rest night. Like I wasn't really sure. It's hard because I feel like a lot of times when teams do that and they go through the game time decision type thing, it's up to the staff and the player. And like Jalen is a competitor. He's always going to say, yeah, I'm going to go, especially in a game like last night against a good team. So that is difficult. So at some point I agree, like you got to take that power away from him and say, Hey, you're going to sit out a couple games here because there's bigger things down the line beyond even this year, but especially over the next couple of weeks. I'm not saying this is on the Celtics for like not Jalen a rest. I'm saying like the collective, like Jalen, I'm sure wants to play. The Celtics would like to get, you know, the five seed or the four seed. Like, of course they want to try to make the second round. Of course they do. But like as a collective, like it just feels like having that big picture vision right now with Jalen just feels super, super important. Yeah. It's like with Kemba Walker. I'm sure he would have loved to play every second night of a back-to-back this season, but the coaching staff knows like you have to take the bigger picture view and Kemba eventually, I mean, at least publicly like came around to that. And whenever he would speak to the media early on about his injury, he would stress like, no, we're chasing something bigger. Like I have to understand the bigger picture here, things like that. So I think regardless of how serious it was, it does also seem like um, Wednesday could be a rest day. Like they're playing the magic. It doesn't seem worth it to risk it. The Magic, who have less than nobody who can deal with Jason Tatum. Just like, let, like, let them, well, you just let those guys go at it. But I think to that point, though, Nicole, like Kemba's 30, you know, Jalen's 24. It's got to be harder to try to like convince Jalen of that. But yeah. I think that's the weird thing about this season, right? Is that like even the younger guys who have not had to think about this stuff yet to this stage in their career, they need to start thinking about it. And that I think is one of the real challenges. That's How also... do you tell a 24-year-old you have to sit down to, to like to preserve your health? He's like, no, dude, I'm 24. I've been doing this my whole life. And it's like, yeah, man, but like we're trying to make sure that you can do it for more of your life. Yeah, 100%. That has to be such an adjustment for guys like Jalen who are just such competitors. That's how they got to where they are right now. Yeah. Like it's, it has to be very difficult. And it would be a lot easier if the Celtics were in like the first through third <laughs> in the east because when you're at the bottom like I feel like it's it's a little different like it's way easier to rest to rest a player when you're at the top of the conference so the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news we dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. I thought Tatum was really good. Uh, You know, obviously he had like 33. He's been on a tear. One of the most interesting things about the game last night was how many times this season do you think that the Celtics bench has doubled up the other team and the Celtics have still lost? Like the Celtics bench had 36 to 23 over the Blazers. 
big games from like like you mentioned a big game from Aaron Neesmith who I I am really starting to get some uh some <laughs> he's, he's gonna I think he's gonna be really good I think that was a uh, that was a heck of a pick. And then, uh, you know, Pritchard was really good, like 13 on four for six shooting. Some of these guys who we've been talking about how important it is that they that they step up and that they play a major role are looking like guys who can play a major role. And again, the Celtics lost by 10 to a decent team. But again, I think I came out of that one, not with like a moral victory, but with a bunch of like genuinely positive signs. I mean, Aaron Neesmith has to be the biggest positive, right? Like he, again, this is a continuation of the last couple games. But three straight games now with 15 plus points, like he seems to be a establishing himself as a very consistent contributor. I know this is a short sample size, but he looks like a totally different player than we had like even three weeks ago, two weeks ago. He just looks very comfortable out there and his teammates look very confident in him. Like, I don't want to jump too far out because again, like I said, it's a small sample size. He looks really good. And for a young player, like his off ball movement is really, really solid. He always seems to be in the right place at the right time. If they can get him to stick in, you know, not scoring 16 points a game, but as an offensive contributor down the stretch to kind of help limit some of Romeo Langford's minutes, maybe because teams don't really have to pay attention to him on offense. I think that's huge development. That's really big. And so I think he was one of the biggest positives from last night's loss. My, I think my favorite thing about Aaron Neesmith is that he just kind of floats to the open spot. He's so good at just like his defender turns the other way for a second and he doesn't like make some like big cut or anything. He just kind of just like floats a little bit just so that when the player kicks it back out to him, the closeout is like almost impossible. And and Tatum really seems to be enjoying throwing those passes. To yeah. Him. Like, um, you know, he, he had a couple of those like cross court, just uh, whip passes to the corner and yeah, Neesmith's cashing them in. So shout out to Neesmith. I saw a meme that merged Steph Curry and Marcus Smart and was like, wow, look, it's Aaron Neesmith. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty funny. No, also, did you guys see that he's liked precisely one tweet on Twitter and it's Marcus Smart's most recent tweet being, I want to shout out Jason Tatum, obviously, but I really want to shout out Aaron Neesmith, who's been unreal last few games, a never give up team. That's the only tweet Aaron Neesmith has ever liked. Aaron Neesmith's likes hold value. I love that. (laughs) I do think that his attitude and what he's been able to do on the defensive end has given him confidence, even though he initially wasn't contributing on offense to now, like it's, I don't know, it's, it might be coming easier to him because he's like, well, I know I can do this. Like my entire worth isn't like attached to whether this shot goes in type thing. Yeah. I do wonder whether there's some of that that's just helped everything come together. I mean, I think there definitely is, especially with a younger player, like one side of the court certainly has an impact on the other side of the court, especially in their first year. And he was so bad on defense at the beginning of the year. And that was a product of playing one and a quarter college seasons in the SEC. And that quarter came against like crappy non-conference opponents where you don't really have to play defense. So the fact that his learning curve has been so like sharp, pretty impressive and not what I expect. I I never, none of us were like really, really down on him ever. Like we're always in the boat of giving him patience, but I didn't think it would happen this quickly. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. I I, I think, uh, and Nicole, I think that's, 
that that's such a like an important basketball point too it's like like the more things you can do the more confidence you're going to have in the things that you're good at and that seems to be like a big part of the Celtics development philosophy uh you know trying to have Romeo like spot up and shoot threes and some of that is just out of necessity like they just needed they didn't necessarily need a guy who could create off the dribble and they didn't necessarily need Romeo like testing his limits on on a good team but yeah but I mean having him become a good defender like that's that's an interesting kind of player building exercise and and I, I suspect it'll work for some players and maybe not for other ones seems to be working for Neesmith which is pretty cool also, how important is that for this particular Celtics depth chart? Like they have a lot, or at least had a lot of one-dimensional players. So to have Neesmith kind of work his all-around game into the fold, that's a terrific development. For sure. Um, another guy who uh, has worked his way in, Peyton Pritchard, four for six, 13 points. Again, he just looks like really solid. And uh, he looks like a part of like a playoff rotation. I think that if the Celtics can put to, if they can be competitive in the playoffs again, and I don't think any of us expects them to make the Eastern Conference Finals or anything like that this year, but if they can put together a competitive stretch with some of these young guys, get them some of those playoff reps, I think next year is just going to be a lot smoother. Just another year of experience and everything. I mean, we saw what, and the Celtics have made runs before with uh, with young players on, um, in the rotation under Brad Stevens, but I do think that like building this kind of for next year with like this is kind of the new core going forward. There's there's a lot of uh, a lot of promise there. It'll be interesting to see how they do fare in the playoffs because obviously that's when like defenses get tighter and like it's just a different game people always say so I am curious to see how they adjust but I agree like there's so many reasons to be optimistic about this team like if Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard are coming off the bench next year with like a full off season and a normal off season, hopefully like that's huge for the Celtics. And when you consider the development of obviously Tatum Brown, but Robert Williams, like, I don't want to like hype it up too much right now. Cause it's May 3rd, but like, I don't know. I think there's a lot of reasons to be excited. There's a lot of value in a full off season for this entire roster. I feel like they haven't had a full off season in so long. We're talking about guys like Jalen and Jason needing rest days and stuff. What about a full off season yeah. moving into next year? Like, there's a ton of value in that even Kemba Walker yeah. like I know this podcast included a lot of people have sort of written him off to start the season but it's like he's come around like he's been playing before this little injury here like he was playing fantastic and like yeah. exactly what the team needed that Suns game was perfect for him with a full off season with his knee you wonder whether next year will be different like yeah we'll see what happens this postseason but don't write this team off yet for next year too 100 and again don't sacrifice next year for you know some small gains this year right all right well that brings us to the last thing here the celtics are now they are by themselves in seventh in the eastern conference they are a full game behind the hawks and the heat they are two and a half games behind the knicks this is like this could happen they could end up in the play-in game and if they end up in the play-in game right now i believe they would face am i right they would face the wizards i still haven't totally worked out how the uh it looks like because i was this i was just looking up the play-in tournament format it looks like they would play the hornets in the first play-in game it looks like it's seventh place versus eighth place and then 10th versus nine so i believe that's the format i might have that wrong but that's what it looks like so then if they beat the hornets are the hornets out of the playoffs or the hornets play the nine versus 10 team so the winner of the seven eight would then go to the seventh seed and then the loser would play the winner of the nine ten okay got you like they've they've lost the hornets they've beat the hornets 
feeling a lot of pressure. I'd be fascinated to see how this team plays. I don't know that they've dealt with pressure very well this season. I mean, I don't know. Like, they, I, I could see them losing to any of those teams. Um, maybe not the Pacers. I just kind of don't think they would lose to the Pacers. But big game from from Bradley Beal. Like, it's not out of the question. Buzzsaw of a Wizards team. Watch out. They were rolling for a while there. Yeah, so. it could have been rolling next year with Jonathan Kaminga, but they're rolling into the playing tournament. It's awesome. I can't go down this road. <laughs> Thank God they came back against the Spurs and Jason Tatum went off for 60 because even with this loss, it's like, oh, I don't know. But like if they lost that Spurs game, I feel like the playing game would probably be the reality because there's only seven games left. You can only yeah. make up so much ground, like even to get to the Knicks who are two and a half up, like luckily they have a game against the Knicks. So that helps in two games against Miami. So those are huge. But like to make up two and a half games in seven games is like not easy. No, not at all. And this is why we made such a big deal about losing to the Thunder, because now you look at this remaining stretch and there's like you have to beat the Magic and the Bulls this week, because if you drop those games and the Heat are able to pick up a game or two, probably just a game in that stretch then you have to win both games of that back-to-back. And then you've got the Knicks the following Sunday, which would also be a must-win. Like, it adds pressure. So to alleviate some of that pressure, which is inevitable, it's going to be there regardless, you have to win these games against the Bulls, the Magic. I think it's the Timberwolves and the Cavs after the Heat back-to-back. Like, you need to win those games. Sort of tying it back to our injury thing, like, now Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are going to have to play, like, probably the entirety of these games to ensure that they win. And, like, that adds to the minutes on their legs. And it's just, it all compounds when you can't beat a team like the Thunder. The good news is that they have two games off before they play the Magic and then another game off before they play Chicago. So they will get a little bit of extra rest. It sounds like Kemba Walker is pretty close, so he might be back even if um, Jalen sits out. The bad news is that the first game against the Heat – you guys want to know what time it starts? <laughs> oh, no. 1 p.m. Oh, yeah. <laughs> on the oh, Sunday. Yeah. And then the next week on the Sunday, I mean, they don't, it's TBD on the time. It's but, definitely uh, going to be an afternoon ESPN game no for sure. <laughs> so, Celtics uh, are going to have to snap out of that matinee funk or else they're going right for the playing game. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, just book your tickets to Charlotte. That's a second night of a back-to-back. The Knicks game is, yeah. It is a second night to back-to-back. So actually, that's a good point. That probably means that the Knicks game will be at night. Oh, yeah. So that's a good, very that's good. true. All right, so that helps the Celtics case. Yeah. That's good. It's a yeah. good thing that it's the second half of a back-to-back. <laughs> that last week of the season is, like, just riddled with important days here. <laughs> like, two against the Heat, one against the Knicks, and then what are going to be must-wins against the Cavaliers years in the Timberwolves that's what losing to the Thunder does it, it makes those games must wins which they probably would have been anyway but still yeah I mean I feel like the Heat series is really like if they lose both of those games forget it like yeah. even if they beat the Knicks like I kind of don't think they can catch the Knicks I don't think like, they can either that's and, like what and, Nicole was just saying like two games in this short stretch that's nearly impossible to make up especially at the pace that these teams they're chasing are playing at. like the Knicks are nine and one in their last 10 games what I will say is that the Knicks schedule going forward I haven't looked at like the tankathon thing but it is a nasty nasty is it? today they play the grizzlies wednesday they play the nuggets mm. then they have the suns the clippers the lakers the spurs the hornets and the celtics i will say that there is there is that like the knicks have just a vicious schedule full of teams who need to win yeah that's a tough time for a west coast swing yeah so. maybe they can catch them but like either way all of these games have so much importance and i feel like we probably won't have full clarity until the regular season finale, just given how close things are at, unless something goes like completely awry. 
I would think, you try I to would you try to rest Jalen on Wednesday, Friday this week? I would. Like, yeah. like I think that's a no brainer in my mind. Yeah. Right. Especially if you rest him Wednesday and you win. Yeah. Then you, ha- I think you have to. Yeah. Because also, if they end up in the playing game, like then they're going to have no rest in between the regular season and the playoffs. It's going to go regular season, playing game, playoffs, and it's just like, yeah, all of this is worth it for like the shot at maybe winning a first round series. Like, no, like, yeah, like, come on, got to get up to four or five and try to win that first round. Like, it's not worth it. And I think that's where Gino time is at now. Like, I think we've made it explicitly clear that we are excited for next season. Yeah. And we'll see what happens at the end of this year. But the players' health should be the most important. And I guess it's hard to say that when you see Evan Fournier out there, but it's just not worth running these guys into the ground. That's a good point, like kind of to what we were saying about Jalen earlier. Evan Fournier is another prime example of that. Like he said after the Nets game, I don't know what it was last week, 10 days ago. He's like, I, I want to be out there and play because I need to get acclimated to my new settings. It's like, that's him saying, I know I'm going out there. Like, even though I feel like shit and I basically, I have full concussion-like symptoms and I can't really see straight, but I need to get acclimated. So I'm going to go out there. It's like, it's, it's a competitive nature. So it's hard to like sit guys down. I am excited about this next stretch because there's a lot of implications on these games. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun but I fully agree with what Nicole was just saying. Like there's greater things on the horizon here and and the ceiling on this season is so capped. Let's not sacrifice things further down the road for losing in six games in the first round. All right, guys. Uh, I think we can leave it there. If anybody uh, has any questions, comments, or concerns, you can feel free to uh, DM us or get in touch. And make sure if you haven't already listened to Nicole's interview with Nicole Cornette over the weekend. It was a lot of fun, uh, really fun episode. Nicole Cornette was a great guest. So um, shout out to both the Nicoles for that one. And uh, we will talk to you all again soon. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.